the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Lot had no respect anymore. They didn't respect him. They thought he was a big joke. Because you see, when you live in the culture and you just kind of do what the culture does, with the exception, again, falling back on what Peter said about him being a righteous man, with without actually being involved in the perversion of the city, but just kind of, you know, turning a blind eye, not witnessing, not affecting change, hanging out with everybody, kind of just, you know, being buddies with the crowd, just kind of being like they are. And then you cry fire and you say there's real urgency here. They're going to laugh at you. You're a joke. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Genesis. Trying to befriend the lost is a wonderful thing if we maintain our integrity and remember what our influence on them should be. But as Pastor Gary points out in today's message, it is very easy for us to simply become comfortable with them and adopt their lifestyle rather than the other way around. What are the pitfalls of tolerating the sins of others and sharing in them? What do we stand to lose? Today, we are told about four things that we will lose if we continue to live like those who don't know Christ. Tolerating sin and compromising what we claim to believe. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message entitled, The Cost of Compromise. you to notice a few key words in that verse, verse 4. Circle the word all, circle the word every. All the men from every part of the city. It's not a few. It's not one or two were knocked on the door. This was all the men, every part of the city. This is a homosexual mob that comes to the house of Lot, banging on the door. They're very explicit here. We want to have sex with those guys. They don't know that they're angels. We want to have sex with those guys that are in your house. I want you to also notice the words young and old. Circle those words. Both young and old surrounded the house. I want you to picture this. I want you to get the idea of just how wicked this place is. The word young there is a word that can be translated to mean boy. I want you to picture here not just dads and uncles and grandpas. I want you to picture seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-old boys that have been brought to some kind of a homosexual orgy to observe or to participate in. This is just unthinkable. We're bringing young guys here. We're bringing little boys to observe this. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to teach them this is what we do here. They're very outspoken. They're very militant. They try to beat the door down. 
That's how much they are just crazed to do this despicable thing here. And the prophet Isaiah tells us when he refers back to Sodom in Isaiah 3.9, Isaiah says that the people of Sodom, here's the word he uses, paraded their sin. They didn't think anything about it. They were very vocal, outspoken, in your face. That's what we're about. Listen, not much has changed. This whole issue in our own culture, very militant, very in your face, parading it, very outspoken about it. It's no different. This is what was happening in the days of Sodom. And I will tell you, just to give you the other side so you understand the other argument out there, the liberal theologians, liberal theologians will tell you that what God was upset about here was not the sin of homosexuality. Liberal theologians will say homosexuality is not a sin. The issue was, this is how they will spin Genesis 19. They will say the real issue, the reason what God was upset about is that the people of Sodom were inhospitable to these two guests. That's what they will tell you. Not making it up. That's what they would tell you. You can read different liberal commentaries that say, well, the real issue here was that God was upset that they were inhospitable to the two guests. Okay, now wait. Let me, figure, let me get this straight. So God's so much into hospitality. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But don't you think this is a real devastating consequence? I mean, kind of over the top for being inhospitable. Let's see if we can understand this. So because people didn't open their homes for lodging and lasagna, God is going to rain down road tar and fry a whole people? Is that what we're supposed to believe? The issue here is inhospitality? No, that's not the issue. Jude in the New Testament, verse 7, says, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. So the Bible says. Now, listen, we need to realize that as our country moves toward legalizing same-sex marriages, and as many denominations start to move towards ordaining homosexuals, you just need to hear it. It doesn't matter. It will never, ever, has been or shall be acceptable to God. Never. The Bible, God calls specifically homosexuality in Genesis 18, a grievous sin. In Genesis 19, wicked. In Leviticus 18 and Ezekiel 16, detestable. King James says an abomination. In Jude 7, immoral or perverted. In Romans 1, unnatural and indecent. That's what the Bible calls it. That's what God calls it. Now, in saying all of this and rattling all those adjectives off that the Bible describes, I don't want anybody here who's here or listening or watching to feel like that the whole subject of homosexuality, if you perhaps struggle with that or you've been in that lifestyle, that's a part of your life, for you to feel disgraced. Any more than I would want when we get to the story of David and Bathsheba and we talk about the subject of adultery for anybody who's committed adultery to feel disgraced. The Bible is not about good guys versus bad guys, and the good guys get to go to heaven and the bad guys go to hell. The Bible is about bad guys and Jesus, and we are all bad guys in the Bible. Does everybody understand this? We're all bad guys. We all need Jesus. There's no ranking of sin. It's all sin, and here's the good news. Jesus died for it all. Jesus paid the price for every sin. That's why he dies on the cross. There's no ranking of people, you're a little more sinful and you're less sinful. No, we're all sinners. This is not about addressing a particular sin issue and saying this is worse than anything else. It's no worse. There's all kinds of sins. 
that are mentioned specifically through the Bible. We just happen to come today to Genesis 19 and we have to address this head on. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died to forgive us and to set us free. And I don't care what the world is feeding us. There are two main lies that the world is thrusting upon our culture. Number one, that you're born a homosexual. There has never been scientific evidence for a gay gene. Never has been. Now let me tell you something. There may be, in the days to come, some kind of a gene that links for predisposition. That does not change God's view on the matter any more than the fact that scientists have uncovered a gene that shows evidence that some people are predisposed to alcoholism. God doesn't give them a pass and say, well, now drunkenness is okay for you. Drunkenness is still a sin, even though there's a gene that shows some people are predisposed to alcoholism. Even if they were to come up with a gene, which they haven't, to determine that some people are predisposed to homosexuality does not change God's view on the matter. He still calls it a sin. And let me tell you something, for those people who love that lifestyle, that data is very helpful for them. Oh, you're born this way. But there are thousands of people who are in that lifestyle and don't want to be in that lifestyle. And how depressing to be told a lie, well, you're born this way. You can't change it, you're born this way. No, 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 that's not true. God changes lives from the inside out and he transforms people completely and makes us new creations in Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's the hope of the gospel. The other big lie that the world will thrust upon us is that 10% of the population basically is homosexual. That number is grossly overreported. And in fact, just last year, USA Today gave an updated scientific article in May 2011 that was published and, and conducted by the National Center for Health Statistics and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. They found that the general population that says that they are homosexual is roughly 1.4%, not 10%. Look, here's the deal. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. The first part is a little hard to hear. The second part is full of grace. So hear the whole thing through. And you're going to hear a whole list of sins, not one in particular, but listen to what 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, says. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to the next verse. And that is what some of you were. Past tense. You mean I no longer have to be that? That's right. You mean I wasn't born that way? That's right. That's what some of you were. Listen to the next part. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God still does miraculous things to change people's hearts and lives. That's why Jesus died, to forgive us and to set us free. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So that's the good news of the gospel. Now the issue back here at hand with Lot compromise is evident in his life, and compromise will cost us four things. For those of you taking notes, what's the cost of compromise? Well, notice here in verses 6 and 7 that he refers to this mob that's at his door as my friends, but yet he realizes it's a wicked thing. He says, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. He's become so compromised in his convictions that he considers guys who want to gang rape strangers in his home as my friends. And then he does the unthinkable in verse 8. He actually offers his virgin daughters who are betrothed. They are, they are pledged to be married, but they haven't actually consummated the marriage. It's a little bit different in the Jewish culture, in the, in the ancient Jewish culture. 
he offers, this is unthinkable, he offers his virgin daughters to this mob outside his house for them to go ahead and gang rape his daughters. That's what he does in verse 8. Because compromise, one of the things that we lose when we begin to give in as compromise creeps into our lives, we begin to lose reason, the ability to reason. This is unreasonable. What, what he's doing here is unreasonable. Now, you can read, again, the higher critics. You can read different liberal theologians who will make commentary on this passage. You know what they say? They say, well, you have to understand that in this ancient culture, if you had house guests at your home, they were treated with more honor and dignity than your own family members. Give me a break. I don't care what culture you are in, old or modern, no father, no person, but especially a father in his right mind would ever turn his daughters over to a, a mob crowd that is banging down his door that they might just gang rape his daughters. No father would do that, except if you've just lost all ability to reason. Lot here is just a man who's lost all ability to reason. You start down that slippery slope, one area of compromise, and then it's easy to make another, and it's easy to make another, and you have no conscience about it. Let me tell you how it happens. You cheat on your IRS, you think, oh, I can get away with it. Before you know it, then you're going to cheat your boss on your expense report. And then before you know it, you just think it's okay to cheat on your spouse. That's how it works. One little compromise and you get away with it leads to, I can just do another and I have no conscience about this. He's doing something that's irrational here, unreasonable, because when you start down the slippery slope of compromise, the first thing you lose is the ability to reason. The second thing you lose, number two, is respect. I want you to notice in verse 10 through 14, it tells us this, verse 10, but the men inside, these are the angels, reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city, exclamation mark. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Joking? Yeah, they thought he was joking. Lot had no respect anymore. They didn't respect him. They thought he was a big joke. Because you see, when you live in the culture and you just kind of do what the culture does, with the exception, again, falling back on what Peter said about him being a righteous man, with, without actually being involved in the perversion of the city, but just kind of, you know, turning a blind eye, not witnessing, not affecting change, hanging out with everybody, kind of just, you know, being buddies with the crowd, just kind of being like they are. And then you cry fire and you say there's real urgency here. They're going to laugh at you. You're a joke. They're not going to take you seriously. They didn't take Lot seriously. He was too much like they are. What are you kidding me? Are you serious? God's going to destroy this city? How <laughs> about a joke, Lot? In the same way, listen to me. You hang around your non-Christian friends, that's good. That's what we're supposed to be about, being salt and light in a fallen world. But you hang around your Christian friends and you start doing what they do? You know, you, you tell a dirty joke or two like they do? After work, you, you slam down a few at happy hour with them? Go out with your buddies, go out with your girlfriends? You, know, you sleep with your boyfriend, sleep with your girlfriend. The tunes you have going on, on your iPhone, you, know, you, you love the same kind of stuff they listen to. You got Eminem, you got Jay-Z, you got Lady Gaga. You got Katy Perry. Katy Perry's the daughter of a pastor. Her latest hit song, Teenage Dream. Listen to the lyrics. We're going to go all the way tonight. 
You listen to that kind of stuff, you're doing that kind of thing, and then all of a sudden you get this unction to tell your, your non-Christian friends, hey, listen, by the way, Jesus is coming again. You better get your life right with God. I need to witness to you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to be like, are you a joke? Are you kidding me? You do what we do. Is this the same guy who goes out slamming down a few at a happy hour with us? This is the one? You see how this works. We make little compromises in our lives. We lose respect. We have no witness. People will think we are a joke. That's what they thought about Lot. He had lost all respect because he, in many ways, looked just like they. In addition, number three, we lose resolve. We lose conviction and purpose. Because when you notice here in verses 15 and 16, verse 15 says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urge Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated... The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. I want you to circle the beginning of verse 15. It says, with the coming of dawn. With the coming of dawn. When did this whole story start? Well, it started, it tells us in verse 4, in the evening. Because in verse 4 it says that they were about ready to go to bed when the mob shows up knocking at the door. And now it is early in the morning. It's at dawn. It's at daybreak. Let me get this straight. You've got a homosexual mob outside your house trying to beat down your door. You've got angels in your house saying to you, you better run for your lives. God is about ready to smoke this city. I'm telling you, run for your lives. It starts at bedtime and now it's daybreak and you still haven't gone. What what do you need 10 hours to think about here? What what is Lot doing? It's like, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I think I need a good night's sleep. Can I get a good night's sleep first before... No, you need to run for your life. Do you understand the urgency? There's no urgency. There's no resolve. There's no conviction. There's no fire in his belly. There's no reality here. He's just like, yeah, we're just going to sit around. Such that the angels say, okay, you guys aren't getting it. So they grab Lot and his wife by the hand, the two daughters by the hand, sons-in-law, apparently they stay back. They're not a part of this. And the angels pull them out as an act of mercy. But notice the hesitation here. There's no real conviction, no real urgency here. He's lost resolve. Notice, if you will, that the Bible tells us that God rains down burning sulfur, further down, verses 23 to 26. We don't know exactly where Sodom and Gomorrah is today. There's no archaeological remains for the ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Best guess, they are underneath the Dead Sea. Because Genesis 14 tells us that Sodom and Gomorrah were originally located in the valley of Siddim. And then in parenthesis, the Lord adds, that is the salt sea. That it used to be a valley. Now it's the Dead Sea. That God completely wiped out that place. And when we go to Israel, we will point out to you, when we go to the Dead Sea region, you can still see sulfur pellets that pepper the entire landscape. That it's as if God says, I'm going to wipe this place out. I'm going to make it, I'm going to fill it with, with salt water to make it antiseptic and clean it out. The Dead Sea is the most, the saltiest body of water on the planet, 34% salinity. The Great Salt Lake is only 17% salinity. When you go to Ocean City, it's only 3.5%. The ocean is only 3.5% salt water. The Dead Sea is 10 times what the ocean is, 10 times. There's not a living thing that breathes or moves 
in the Dead Sea. Not even bacteria. There's nothing there. It's completely desolate. It's a wasteland. God completely destroyed it. And when he destroyed it, man, did he ever pound his fist because it's also the most depressed spot in terms of the lowest elevation on the planet. The Dead Sea is the lowest elevation on the planet. And when God did what he did, it's as if also he cracked the earth's crust because the Great Jordan Valley Rift runs from Damascus, Syria, all the way down to North Africa. One-fifth of the earth's crust is cracked at that location. This is what God did. And Lot's wife, as they're fleeing, she looks back. She longs. She dreams of what could have been, and she wishes she could have still stayed there. And the Bible says that she's turned to a pillar of salt. Now, you can see pillars of salt all through the Dead Sea region, In fact, there's one particular shape of a pillar of salt that is today down there called Lot's wife. I don't know, maybe if you chisel the salt away, maybe there she'd be underneath there. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure that after that event, it became a very delicate subject around the dinner table with Lot's family. (laughs) Hey, would somebody pass me the... Bummer. All right, real quickly, last thing you lose is a reputation. This is a really disgusting way that chapter 19 ends, but I'm going to read it. Verse 30. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man around here to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went and lay with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. And that's Lot's legacy. The reputation that Lot gets from this point on, oh, you're the guy who fathered a couple of children through your daughters. And by the way, where would his daughters think of such an unconscionable thing? because they've lived in such a wicked and perverted city. They've been exposed to all kinds of perverted things. So to them, it's just like, hey, this seems like a good idea, which speaks again about Lot. How was he protecting the heart of his own family members, that they would even think of doing something like this? But this is his reputation now. I think it was Will Rogers who said it takes an entire life to make a reputation, but you can lose it in just a minute. When we start down the road of compromise, these are the things we lose. The ability to reason. We lose respect by other people. We lose our resolve, our conviction, our courage. And we lose our reputation. This is a hard chapter. This is a lot of terrible things that happens in this chapter. But may it serve to remind us that the road to compromise is paved with all kinds of terrible things. May we be resolved in our own hearts that we are going to be men and women and young people who honor God, live for God, witness about God. 
May our convictions be strong and immovable in a relative world. That we speak the truth, we speak the truth in love, but we speak the truth because we know that truly, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And God is about forgiving people and setting people free. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection, the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To learn more about this radio ministry, please visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc where you can download today's teaching or subscribe to our podcast. At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you'll also find information about all of our ministries, links to our Facebook page, Twitter feed, and more. We can be reached via email at info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. When you contact us, please let us know how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. On the next edition of Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary will continue taking us through the book of Genesis. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.